Hello, welcome to Teachable Moments. This is No Bit Hollaback. We were originally going to do this for Beyond This Earth for the first segment of Episode 9, Season 2. However, we decided to move this to Teachable Moments. This has to do with a new version of where coronavirus came from. This comes from a Twitter user named Icer9. Ice Nine, excuse me. And he and Spotted Toad has been talking with some of the intellectuals that have been working on, and the doctors and some medical researchers that use Twitter have been talking about with um this particular coronavirus issues that we'll that we're going to discuss here. We're going to discuss three new items from Mr. Deniger actually two new blog posts and then the one dealing with Elon Musk and then we're going to talk about other particular things surrounded and of note surrounding what this particular origin is but this is Icer9's post that was done on September 15th of this year for reference here is the recent report allegedly uh, uh, potentially alleging a potentially artificial origin for SARS-CoV-2 from Viralis Mei-Yang Yang. Yang recently fled Hong Kong and remains hiding in the United States. Key arguments arise from the rarity in back codes from certain features allowing human transmissibility, poor quality data on closed purported relative and they call this protein RGT13, but for the purposes of this particular teachable moment, <clears throat> I am just going to call it a protein, the particular protein, and extremely close similarities to other unique versus all other sequences to two particular strain proteins called CZZ45CX. Z21 reported by military facilities. <clears throat> also noted, the inability of RA13 to actually bind to BAT-AC2, the suppression of immediate physical lab closure of a Chinese research group describing a closer relationship to Z45, Z20, Z21 in a Nature article and the fact that the only major difference are in the spike proteins. <clears throat> Overall, I find these claims more compelling than others to date. The extreme and unique similarity to these two particular other proteins mentioned in nature, apart from the only region handling needing significant changes in order to affect humans, strongly suggests gain-of-function research. Now, to remind all of you about gain-of-function research, President Obama banned gain-of-function research in the United States around 2014-2015. Dr. Fauci had to go outside of the country in order to do the gain-of-function research for viruses because he was looking for a cure for the AIDS virus and all the rest of these things that will try, according to certain conservative entities, to line his pockets. 
but that's not here or there and the evidence is spurious at best so we'll leave it at that but it is very curious that the only place that can do that gain of function research is in communist china we continue the authors describe a possible method for constructing sars cov 2 from the z from these two particular proteins given a few months of cell culture work natural recombination appears less plausible given targeted deviations from these particular strains other proteins should have also been altered strikingly sars cov 2 spike rbm instead resembles sars cov rbm rather than z as 45 z21 rbm but binds ace2 human with inhibitors with great much greater affinity meanwhile the furin state of SARS-CoV-2 is completely unique relative to all other lineage b beta coronaviruses then he shows a link to these two particular proteins the two z proteins and then he continues here natural recombination is not necessarily ruled out in principle certain reported pangolin cove rbds resemble sarge code 2 rvb and another alleged close relative our myn02 has also been recently reported however this particular pangolin theory has its own discrepancies identified by researchers at the broad institute of mit and harvard and then they shows the link there essentially only one sample matches the group contends that the pangolin in question was more likely infected by humans meanwhile the arm when the rmy02 known as also from wuhan uh, Yuhan, like sars ncov that's the first sars sars one the type that most studied in wuhan does not match the spikes in sars cov 2 yet has strong similarities to nearly other proteins it is also clearly not closer than the cz45 xz c21 body offers own data so then one particular protein is lost and lacks the furin site another protein is no closer than the other two proteins mentioned by nature studied by the same groups regardless pandalines are expected to be mere recipients but not intermediate hosts all encodes related to the two proteins mentioned in nature lacks the cove in human adaptations. Then ICER 9 asked this question When does this spike RBD come from? Why the only major differences in this particular spike protein? And why is it ground zero in Wuhan? Only a few kilometers arguably from the world's most foremost laboratory focused on these viruses instead of Yuhan or Zazan in the first place. He continues, the project scope would have been involved very large numbers of strains closely related to SARS-CoV-2. 
handled systematically, likely without individual sequence disclosures. And the dates align well, mid-2019 to mid-2020 anticipated work. The further discussion, then he showcased these particular things on that on his um, Twitter handle page there. Then he continues with an article discussing the collapse of the Pangolin Papers, merely focusing work on by one particular user. And then he also discusses some of the unusual attributes of SARS-CoV-2 mentioned in the WAN paper cited on top of the thread, consistent with the grant language. This is from Stephen Herbert, a fantastic oracle about the work of Anderton to investigate the origins of COVID-19 and the challenges of following the science, not the political orthodoxy. This shows from Boston Magazine link. Then another article that he mentions is a article on synthetic virology, example reconstruction of infectious SARS-CoV-2 virons from sequence data within about one week of work. He shows this from another Twitter handle from Christian G. Anderson. Christian G. Anderson shows a blueprint how to make SARS-CoV-2 instead of following the observed recipe for making SARS-CoV-2 described in the report. Here's one could actually do it. Then he shows the link on that particular page. I sir then continues in intent to confirm my procedural impressions of the grant work above by the descriptions by other than the closest to the subject matter. I encountered a very close match to the nature of the work I had suggested was involved. This also strengthens the claim. This is from Alana Chan in August 22, 2020. The EcoHealth Project NIH grant description can be read here. To predict spillover of potential novel COVID viruses, they would suggest sequence genomes, isolate viruses, clone splice into other COVID genomes, taste AC. ACE2 binding and infection of different cell lines and humanized mice. Sequence genomes, clone spikes, ACE2 binding, different cell lines. What does that smell like? CRISPR Cas9. Let me repeat myself so everybody can understand. I mentioned this earlier when I was doing this for the bonuses last season. They are going to find out, and I did it in a special too. They are going to find out some of this technology with this COVID-19 is somewhat connected to CRISPR-Cas9. If not the actual CRISPR-Cas9 technology, actual CRISPR-Cas9 sequences, but the actual technology used in CRISPR-Cas9 or an aspect of CRISPR-Cas9 or from 13 on up or to 9 to 13 on up used in the development of these viruses. I stated this and now it seems that it's leading towards this. They just came out right and say it. This is what Peter, Peter Dayzak, who interviewed, who was interviewed by Scott Pelley some time ago. He says on November 21st, 2019, they were doing some fucking stuff with SARS in 2019. This is what one of many, another Twitter poster said. And then there was the link. Peter Dayzak says this. Not true. We have made great progress with bat 
SARS-related codes. I deem 50 novel strains, sequencing spike protein genes. I deem ones that bind to human cells. We're using recombinant viruses, humanized mice, to see SARS-like signs, and showing some don't respond to MABs and vaccines. Let me repeat this again, Peter Dazak. Not true. We made great progress with back SARS-related codes. I deem more than 50 novel strains, sequencing spike protein genes. I deem ones that bind to human cells. Using recombinant viruses, humanized nice to see SARS-like signs. And showing some don't respond to MABs and vaccines. Let me continue. Further discussion is also here. Systematic game of function studies against H to human H2 and humanoid Humanized model animals using recombinant methods to modify spike proteins across novel undisclosed bat coves had recently begun at the Wuhan labs at the time of the outbreak. This is from Richard Ebright. We will test this hypothesis by asking whether novel viruses could do the spike proteins to the highest receptor binding infinity has the highest ability to infect human cells and culture and infect laboratory animals. I have also gone to the trouble, this is ICER 9 again, of submitting each PDF in the thread in the source of the Internet Archive. Then he goes to the Internet Archive and it showcases all those things there. Also, direct evidence that the backbone of these studies were not always a pseudovirus or SARS-CoV, even in 2008. This paper did the reverse. Generate synthetic coronavirus S-CoV. Swap in SARS, RVD. SCO from the first SARS in tests in cells and mice. Grant merely generalized this information. Likewise, the 2015 Barrick and She paper includes researchers from the Wuhan uh, lab for from the Wuhan lab four in 2019 used mouse adapted SARS CoV as a backbone instead of ordinary SARS. Cove. Fully synthetic recombinant viruses used in an emerging study. The grant nearly extended this specific work. He continues, the grant describes screening a new sample of apparently 50 SARS-like cove versus human ACE2 and testing recombinants in humanized mice. Note that the emphasis of pathogenity in all of these papers. The backbone matters. SARS is deadly in part because of better IFN suppression. Hence, to properly understand potential emergence harm from this broader sample set of humanized mice. The most logical approach is to is using both backbones and RBDs drawn from the set. Fully synthetic methods and whole genome sequences are already available as shown above. The goal, likely to assess human emergence risk from the Mojang Yuhan cave. Six miners were infected, two died. She lied, claiming fungal infection, but a translated thesis said it was a bat cold. The cave also yielded 
RATG13. In spite of initial doubts, the latest analysis linked above via Ayachan, which is another Twitter user, strongly suggests that this particular protein is real. And this particular protein is the closest known to match SARS-CoV-2. 96%. So the Batwoman of China, who contributed to the hunt of SARS and covered up the cove of the Mohang Myers threat for human emergence, it's already happened, had a grant for systematic recombination studies, including further Yuhan samples. Wuhan is 1,900 meter kilometers from Wuhan. 96% similarity in RG. TDRE and SARS-CoV-2. Grant funding for recombining, optimizing H2 binding over this case of COVID and infectizing human, infecting humanized mice, undisclosed existence of the full sequence and likely others since 2017, four separate cave trampling trips. I'm not sure how best to say this. The increasingly likely possibility the SARS-CoV-2 arose from a systematic game of function study on the emergence of human pathogens from wildlife reservoirs does not invalidate the implications of the study. It affirms them. And I know we agree. It's tragically ironic that things turned out this way. It was a brilliant study. Really, it was. It would have proven beyond all of a doubt that these caves are truly dangerous and human interactions with bats must be severely curtailed. That is all Dezak wanted. Bat caves are truly dangerous places, manifestly global and historic scale. The viral genomes recombinated by the EcoHealth grant were not artificial. They came from the cave that killed the miners and tourists and yielded the RATG-13 and others like it. The vast majority and perhaps totality of each resulting strain genome was hence already present in nature. That was, of course, the entire point. Study the risk of emergence via natural recombination by emulating such emergence in the lab. It was emulated too thoroughly. It is imperative for human interaction with bats to be sharply curtailed by government policy if necessary. If emulating the viral of a bat cave in a lab gave us SARS-CoV-2, then that's damning evidence that this can and will happen again. Sensible people stay away from bats. They're flying pestilent dispensers. Less sensible people forage for cold samples in bat caves and then drag them 2,000 kilometers away and optimize them against human ACE2. Hopefully, the latter situation becomes it's legal forever. Thesis, SARS-CoV-2 came from a bat cave, so we should avoid bat caves. Antithesis, SARS-CoV-2 came from a lab, so we should ban gain-of-function studies. Syphysis, SARS-CoV-2 came from a lab emulating a bat cave, so we must end both of these particular situations. Now, let's go to what Carl Denninger was talking about on the market ticker concerning Elon Musk 
and the rest of his um, particular things concerning um, coronavirus. I will start here. But in uh, 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 at the start of this mess, that's called this is called Jenninger. I talked about serological surveys, which are an essential part of understanding how a virus spread when where you are, particularly where some infections are low and no symptoms in the affected person and thus will not be caught by testing those that seek care. These tests are worthless as a diagnostic as they tell whether you had the disease, not whether you, if you have it now, but they are ridiculously cheap and very fast. An IG linear page comorbidity test talks under $2 and reads within 10 minutes requiring only a simple finger stick as much as a blood sugar check for diabetes. When this bug started here, there was a handful of these surveys run in various places and in Colorado, including out in Colorado. This ceased for the summer as I am aware of zero of them being run on population since that time. But in other places, they are still being continued to run including Japan. As I have noted recently, Tokyo appears nearly to have 50% several prevalence, whether they have reached the low 40 threshold, which is exactly where it should be if the pre-existing immunity is on the lower end of the range, case falls apart. This is clearly population immunity suppression invalidates post pre-existing immunity and that the ROS is pretty much banged on. Why did they stop doing this in the United States, these surveys? A reasonable hypothesis is that public health officials, including both state and federal, such as Fauci, Fauci, Harvard, knew that the PCR testing was fraudulent and that serological surveys, which are extremely cheap, fast, and easy, would expose the fraud. So they stopped doing them. That was a hypothesis that gained credulence when we had bubbles in various sports where it was supported by random testing. We had seen sporadic reports of positives that were later proved to be false by the retest. But that would occasionally happen with a single test does not tell you how prevalent it is. And note, nowhere did anyone publish a denominator that is football team took 50 tests, got five positives, and all five were negative on the second test. That would have implied that the error rate was 10%. That's horrible, by the way, because if you mean you have an alleged 10% positivity rate in the population, the actual positive rate may be anywhere to 0 and 20%, and there is literally no way to, to know where that confidence interval it is. But yesterday, Elon Musk showed up. He wants to be in the NASA control room, a very reasonable desire, when his Dragon capsules launch with real people in it. NASA requires a negative code test to be there, a COVID test to be there, a negative COVID test to be there. There seems to be a somewhat reasonable too. This is a high security area and the people that are very important to NASA. And so if they want the swap off your nose, well, here it comes. He popped positive, no soup for you, sir, says NASA. Except Musk is richer than God himself and doesn't give a fuck about shoving government bullshit right up their ass. So it demanded a retest. Right there and right now. I assumed he offered to pay for it too. The privilege of not caring for about money helps in a situation like this, you see. And because he got not stupid and I said he's perfectly happy to shove bullshit up their ass. He didn't do this just once. He did it three more times. All on the same day, same nurse, in sequence. Two positive 
and two negatives. Now, Elon Musk is either positive or negative, but which way it is, he just dropped a nuclear weapon on the middle of the COVID-19 testing industry and blew it up in front of the orbit of Mars. Beyond the excuse me, beyond the orbit of Mars, excuse me. Exactly, nobody in the media is reporting this, but that is what he did conclusively. You see, Musk has proved that the error rate is not 2%, not 5%, not even 10%. Elon Musk conclusively proved that the test is nothing more than a coin toss, which has no relationship to the actual state of a person being tested. It is truly a scaremongering tool to return big numbers and thus drive more $100 million day collections of money to the testing companies for a literal worthless test that is not diagnostic of anything. In a reasonable legal environment, such a result will lead into the instant revocation and authorization by the FDA for all such testing as Elon has now proved that such testing is literally worthless and doesn't have an error ban. It is nothing more than a criminal racket, exactly as it would be some preacher collecting money in exchange for prayers that he says will make the gay go away. I have every reason to believe given by the crazy CT settings of these tests, typically 40, that no viral cultures have been successfully have been successful in other than ICU patients with a CT over 35. Even Fauci himself has said that the CT values over 35 does not represent actual infections. We know that we that were reading from a materially high percentage of people who are not exactly both infected and were able to or will become able to transmit the virus as a positive. But I had no idea that in any situation you will have results that were a literal coin toss and that will be proved up. So why there have been zero serological surveys done since late spring? It's simple. If they kept running them, they would have proved months ago that the testing we're doing for RT-PCR has no relationship to actual infections and there are nothing more than a scaremongering tanker technique that is shocking off $100 million a day, supporting printing big false numbers and now warnings by people like Fauci and you better listen while we cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well... He then cursed to these people, and then he continues. We're seeing all across the states where utterly impossible positive numbers are racking up by the day. Note that Japan has proved that if you do not enter the infections by young people by doing things like closing schools, yeah, you will get nearly a billion, 100 infections or even more for each legitimate illness. Think I'm crazy? Look at, podcast, at Japan's positive test count and the results from Tokyo and tell me how many more have the ball versus how many have reported positive. It is more than 101. Further, would anyone be excited that our national daily death count was about 30? Remember, Japan has only had one third of our population, and yet despite their alleged mass compliance, it did exactly nothing to stop half of the people in Tokyo from becoming infected anyway. So that 10 to 1 the CDC figure isn't just a guess, it's wrong. Their new best estimate is 4 to 1 isn't just a guess either. Both were and remain frauds. Created out of whole cloth by reporting positives that really weren't. 
This isn't just an academic, academic exercise. Every single one of these positives results in a quarantine order against a person, which not only restricts their freedom of, it cuts off their income. But whether that person actually is positive in the absence of definitive systems, loss of taste of smell, it's a literal coin toss. Elon Musk proved this entire scheme is nothing more than a massive racketeering operation that is not only making $100 million a day for the testing labs, it has also screwed millions of Americans out of their income without cause. Dellinger continues, but what came of the contest of COVID-19 is that I cannot compute actual ser- Zero conversion estimates from the previous, from the positive test figures any longer because the tests are literally worthless. Those test figures. A couple of months ago, I stopped reporting on these and expected fresh shows as I expected shenanigans with the test positive figures, but couldn't prove it. Now that it's proved, which means that other than hospitalizations and maybe deaths, those possibly are polluted too, as magically death by influenza has basically disappeared, I am no way to know what the actual prevalence of COVID is in a given community, and whether without some sort of baseline, which can reliably be determined by serological surveys, which are not being done either, I or nor any of the so-called experts have any idea where the population of a given area is regard to herd suppression. This allows them to make policy without science behind it all. Nor you can challenge their alleged science because they have deliberately destroyed the data integrity and addition have deliberately refused to undertake very inexpensive and rapid steps to obtain accurate serological surveys in any area that would justify or not their claim steps. That's absolutely crazy, folks. But it gets even worse. In another post called Denninger mentions the Danish study. Doctor, and then he says here, Dr. Fauci repeatedly stated that he will not fund or allow any random controlled trials for masks because that will be unethical. This is the sort of bullshit that he ran during the original AIDS epidemic in the 1980s and the very early 1990s when he actively worked to deny bacterium to AIDS patients who had a high risk of PCP, which routinely killed said patients. We knew that bathroom worked to stop PCP in immune-compromised people because we had been using it for more than five years at that point for leukemia patients, and in that that is one of the major factors which caused leukemia to become a much more survivable disease. Over 30,000 Americans were shoved into the hole as a result of that denial, until it was eventually reversed when Fauci's recommendation was overridden and ultimately dropped. At the same time, AZT, which was a failed cancer drug that failed safety trials that is phase one, was pushed by Dr. Fauci. AZT was later shown to be a direct DNA poison. In the meantime, however, it was tremendously profitable since it was an unpatient drug while bathroom was an off-patient and just cheap. <clears throat> now we have the same thing here. Annals published a study despite other journals refusing to do so. 
it's not hard to see why why the others refused. The confidence interval shows here there's a very real possibility that masks might increase infection rates by as much as 23%. Post hoc computation with intends to draw inferences and conclusions by segregating the control group and trial groups where it's even worse. Then he showed this particular quote. If you don't know how to read that quote, he'll do it for you. There was no statistical improvement whatsoever between those that reported wearing face masks exactly as instructed and the control group. <clears throat> the confidence interval was extraordinarily wide and statistically centered at 1.0, no effect, to a possible range of minus 44%, uh, give or take 44% improvement to a 54% increasing risk. This is worse than the trial group overall, which strongly implies that the group that which was most compliant with the conditions had the worst results. That is, while everyone in the trial group was told to wear masks and supplied them, among those that reported they had exactly instructed the worst results out of all. On the face of the scientific evidence, masks are not only worthless, the post hoc analysis, but does not prove they do harm. Not only that we needed this study to know, <clears throat> Matt's failed in 1918, a fact that the Washington Post mentioned in April from the historical record, and there, in fact, has been 40 years of hard evidence that they do not work. As I have noted, even in operating rooms where everyone is presumed to follow protocol as they are all trained medical professionals and thus surrounding the area is sterile and eliminating confounding factors. But the reason why this study was blackballed for a number of journals is exactly in the data itself. It is a planet's bar wet dream. Having the confidence interval cross 1.0 simply proves statistical worthlessness. Having to do so with such a large degree means that employers had mandated masks that are suddenly open to massive lawsuits from employees who got COVID under the employee's mandate and there was a direct chance the employers will lose. In addition, the study offers, in this case, prevented the potential production of the results by false PCR tests, defining the endpoint of detention of SARS-CoV-2 antibodies where they were previously absent. This was one of my concerns and remains so, given to the hard evidence over the last several months, that false positive results has made computing suppression prevalence in the various states worthless. PCR testing has been nothing more than a tool of fear and panic porn over the last six months as CT40 or higher tests were termed many positives that have no culturable virus found as has been discussed, disclosed in other studies. If you have no culturable live virus, then you either had the bug at some time in the past and what is being picked up a viral debris, not actual virus, or you are immune, inoculated, and your body fought it off successfully without becoming infected. Indeed, someone who ultimately is vaccinated will likely to be able to be test positive on a PCR test if challenged, but yet they do not become infected either. In other case, you can neither transmit the virus to others, nor you will become ill. That's asymptomatic. The added filter of testing for the absence of antibodies when the study began, and thus again to prove actual infection in which those challenges failed means that the false positive indicators are conclusively excluded. Bottom line, 
Mass orders are bull and must be immediately removed. They do nothing on the strength of the scientific evidence. According to the Dutch study, which we knew for the last 40 years, according to other studies, but intentionally ignored and lied to the American people. We must then conclude that such orders are not really actually inference of public health, but rather are mechanisms of submission imposed without cause or scientific justification whatsoever. The bullshit mind has been exposed and must be immediately shoved down the throats of those to trying to maintain sane. We're not done. Denninger later talked about the fad scene. And this is what he said. I'm going to take some particular points here. Chicken pots and all that had the same lethality profile for serious outcomes in children as does COVID-19. It is 20 times more dangerous in adults. But because it's so rarely dangerous in children, knowing that it, you knowing that if it stops more infections from becoming symptomatic does not tell you whether the vaccine actually works to prevent serious outcomes to the, in the target population. The reason is simple. Those serious outcomes occur so rarely that you have many years of experience if you do not know if you have blocked the ordinary, not dangerous adventures or whether you have blocked the dangerous ones. You cannot presume, and yet that is exactly what we're doing with these particular viruses, via vaccination on the, the particular virus. With Vassiera, so 20 years, do we know that this was true and where licensure was appropriate? We found that it was and the vaccine was licensed. But remember, Vasia is a one-time deal. You get vaccinated and you're done. COVID-19 vaccination will not be a one-time deal. The calculation is more akin to the flu shot than it is to measles, measles to mumps. Do not buy the bullshit running around people being reinfected in weeks or months or asymptomatic transmission is a material part of the whole picture either. That's crap. There's no scientific evidence of that happening. None. We know for a couple of decades that coronavirus tend to run in three to four year cycles. That means immunity is likely present for a couple of years, not a couple of weeks or months. There is more to immunity than antibodies. T-cell recognition has to be involved. The burden of proof that one coronavirus behaves differently than all the others on the person making the claim and zero such evidence is thus far exists. With COVID-19, we stopped transmission into nursing homes and enforcing a sanitarium model as, a, as he proposed in March of this year. We have had only about 10 or 20,000 death, total deaths total in the U.S. This is less than a seasonal flu. The reason why is COVID-19 only kills old people as does influenza and almost never kills young people where seasonal influenza does kill children at a maturely higher rate than healthy adolescents and adults. That means we had adopted that path and would have become a nuisance to a moderate risk as an influenza within 12 and 18 months and essentially would have been called the ordinary seasonal flu outbreak every year and thus all the screaming and all the hollering and plus the money spent on vaccines would have been wasted. He continues. Never mind that you have IG antibodies. There are zero reason for you to take the vaccine at all. You had the virus and the very same antibodies that the vaccine is supposed to promote your immune system in creating, in creating. Taking the shot in those circumstances is all about risk and no world, which is flat out stupid no matter who you are. People quote tests asserting that this status do exist in a couple of dollars each. The FDA will not approve them for general consumer use, and the reason why is obvious. 
if you could buy one for two dollars at a Walmart and you will use it, would you take this vaccine if you were positive? Of course not. Why would you would you wear a mask, social distance, and otherwise engage in any mitigating strategy if you positive? If you are positive, of course not. All of them are worthless since you can neither get nor transmit the virus. What percentage of the population is positive? Depends on where do you live, but in many parts of the U.S., I bet it's over 20%, and in some places higher. Likely nobody should consent to a shot unless you can ascertain the status first for a couple of daughters privately without disclosing the results to anyone. If they want people to take the vaccine, they can authorize the damn IG chats for OTC scale at a cost comparable to a pregnancy test. So why is it that we are denied the ability to have this information on our personal IG status? Anytime we will like in the privacy of our own homes, there's no valid scientific or public health reason to do so. There's only a desire to exert control. This refusal to allow these tests to be sold over the counter everywhere for less than a cup of coffee it's directly contrary to public health, and those responsible for it should be arrested, indicted, trialed, and convicted, and swing. Now, this is Jenniger speaking. Denial of this knowledge is killing seniors directly by forcing them to inoculating them in nursing homes where there is no reason for them to be afraid as they already had the virus but don't know it, and in addition, not performing such tests on a routine basis for caregivers is directly killing vulnerable people by allowing non-circumvented individuals who are mixing with the general public to come in contact with such patients and treat said vulnerable people when we could professionally hire and use circumvented individuals to provide that care. Nine months into this novel virus, that is intentional and is in fact both medical malpractice and mass manslaughter. There is also a non-zero risk that a hostile and powerful state actor, ahem, China, ahem, might ban our vaccines in their nation and then develop a bug that targets that particular vaccination specifically. Do note that gain-of-function research, which Dr. Fauci funded at the Wuhan lab to get around Obama's ban of the same in the U.S., can be perverted exactly this way, which is what ICER was implying. Biological warfare in general is stupid. It is as a high probability of killing your own people. But that concern disappears as soon as the population you wish to kill tags itself with something unique. You can have your engineer bug key on. Well, second. When are we going to stop diagnosing someone who is obviously ill, has all the differentiating signs of COVID-19, and then send them on with no treatment or mitigation until they're literally choking to death? That's insane. We know how to treat the potential bad effects of this virus. We had eight months of clean experience with it. We know what those bad effects are, and most people with appropriate medical guidance, we can intervene or release some, some of these effects in most of these people. For example, we know this virus produces immune desensitization and clothing disorders in some people, and that is the mechanism which it kills. 
We are mitigating drugs. There are extraordinary states that we can use to intercept this process, and we further know how to detect and treat disorders, including cognitive disorders, if they occur. There are some who have other conditions that make the mitigating strategies dangerous to use, as such as the other medicine absolutely comes into play, but in the vast majority of persons, at least some of these strategies are safe and should be used. If a strategy is safe, then there's no material risk and there's only potential benefit to be had. Potential benefit does not mean it will always work. It just means that we have no medical science anywhere that always works for any disease. Eight months into this, so-called medical professionals are still committing both practice and outright manslaughter, according to Carl Denninger. The pattern that he sees right here in this country, and he is pissed. God help any of these so-called medical professionals who ever want anything from him. If he sees one of them on fire and and he makes these comments. People ask me while I'm trying to buck the system when it comes to disease and the government is done. The answer is simple. I will not sit back and allow what appears to be a fudge plus insanity, but very likely to be nothing more than manslaughter for profit to take lives by the tens of thousands while remaining silent and neither should anyone else. He continues with another study from Egypt. Folks, this is an astounding study, and he has a link to it here. Not because of what it shows, but what it discloses. Egypt has a death rate from COVID-19 one-tenth of hours on a per million people. This is without the study. It's just standard of care. What's the difference? Read the study. First, these are sanitarium model hospitals, COVID-19 specific. What would you have not have done anywhere? We could do this today and it will stop infecting the most vulnerable, but we haven't and there's indication, no indication that we will. What I laid out here, yeah, that. He told you so. The sanitarium model is the only same model as it cuts off non-cosomal infections. We have not done this anywhere, but Egypt did it, and the results are what they are. Second, they do not send people home unless they choke on their own fluids when they diagnose. Instead, they do this. They use a anazomine 500 mega mega um um 500 megs for five days paracetamol 500 men's prn vitamin c one gram zinc 50 milligrams lactoferrin 100 milligrams saxit ac acetylcysteine 200 milligrams tcs and prophylactic or therapeutic androcodidine of d dimmer if 100 milligrams let's run them down Z-Pack, it's a microlide and will not be given for viral infections, but easy to use as a frontline standard of care. Tylenol is paracetamol. Vitamin C, easy. Zinc, easy. Lactoferrin, interesting one here. It's a protein found in cow and human milk. None of this one before COVID, but rarely available as a supplement. Otherwise known as NAC, OTC as a supplement. Acycycin. Likely the key item, angiocologlin in D-dimer. We are not testing on it on a presumption, which is stupid, which we knew in March and April it was an issue. Now we know how to deal with it. Yet even today, we do nothing. Note well, folks, to any standard of care, Egypt is managing one-tenth of our death rate per million people. The one-third of our population, 
but somehow only have 100,000 cases. How simple. They cut off the non-sominal infections by segregating hospitals, and I bet they're not calling the false positive cases either. Anyone care to take that bet? We killed 200,000 plus people because we didn't pay attention whatsoever to what I talk about in March. That's what Carl Denninger talked about in March. What if our health death count would not be able to transmit the buffer for hospitals and nursing homes? Around 20,000. But this study is very interesting that in Egypt, they showed they can cut the effective death rate down to zero using ivermectin. That's right. A cheap drug given early stops people from dying. The mortality rate, and he shows this quote, the mortality rate given epinephrine, actermectin, treated patients in group one and three, zero percent. 0% to 2% respectively. What's better than 0% votes? The 2% were the severely ill people, which they got too late. Get it them early and nobody dies. Again, how do you beat zero? Especially with a drug that costs pennies. I noted that this was likely to work in June of this year. How many doctors and medical sectors paid attention? Zero. The other 10%, nearly all of them nearly been stopped by ivermectin. It's not peer-reviewed yet. Yet, if you get the bug, what you gonna do? He knows what he needs to do. And then they showed these particular rulings concerning what is going on with masks and all the things there. So, folks, what have we learned? There is a virus that is out there that came through by gain-of-function research, which was banned in the United States. Carl Denninger mentioned that Fauci was funding things in Wuhan because he couldn't do it in the United States. The gain-of-function research was one of the catalysts and also CRISPR-Cas9 or some similar technology that involved CRISPR-Cas9 was allowed to be used in order to figure out how to make sure these viruses were taken out and how they work and how they bind to these receptors. We now know that there are possible treatments for this virus. We know that the PCR tests are suspect. And that Danish study, they are saying that masks don't work. What do you think is happening, folks? What is happening? There has to be some answers. When are we going to get them? Thank you for listening to Teachable Moments. This is Novid Hollerbeck. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and wherever you get your radio shows. We will see you soon. Take care and stay healthy. 
this isn't over, not by a long shot, and we will have more about the Ravens virus in the weeks and months to come. See you folks soon.